I'm a foodie and I enjoy learning about the process that brings great foods and beverages from idea to the table. And then I like tasting them and learning the nuances of what creates the most significant tastes from coffee to cheese to distilled beverages. I did a tequila tasting in Mexico and recently bourbon, Heaven Hill bottled in bond bourbon really impressed me from the story to the taste. I grew up in Kentucky where horse racing and bourbon are famous and I got introduced to Heaven Hill bottled in bond bourbon. It's produced by Heaven Hill Distillery, which has been and still remains family owned since 1935. And I'm impressed with the bourbon's ultra rich, smooth taste. And right on the bottle, it states that this bourbon is seven years old, which is actually three times longer than what's required to be certified as bottled in bond. I feel with beverages, the longer the prep, the better the taste. Being a bottled in bond product means it must pass a list of seven requirements that set the standard for this quality bourbon. So look for it at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely and drink wisely. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Self Helpful. I'm your guide, Kevin Miller, and I curate the sea of new personal development messages to bring the most influential leaders onto this show. Join me as I question my guests to better understand their counsel so we can all integrate the wisdom into our lives because we all want to elevate our own experience and improve the way we show up for others. The Self-Helpful Podcast is presented by Ziggler, your premier source for equipping coaches. Visit Ziggler.com. Welcome to the peak wellness episode where we seek to strengthen our bodies, which are our foundations and build our lives on top of them. In this episode, how to mitigate and manage your genetic set points. I really want life to be only what I make it and deny any genetic limitations. And yet I realize we do in fact have some genetic set points that can help and hinder us along the way. I've suffered some by denying any genetic hindering, but our culture by far and large, I see suffering for blaming too much on genetics. And the big question is then how much of an impact do genetics have on your health? And it's not the same answer for everyone, obviously. And we're not here to discount the role of genetics at all. We want to elevate the issue right here. Yet the goal is to take as much agency as possible. The goal is to give you hope that you're not a victim to your genetics. So let's discuss how much of a role they do play in your health and wellness and what you can do to compensate for and negate them as much as possible. I'm of course joined here today by my peak wellness co-host, Randy James, medical doctor and functional medicine expert who walks with patients every single day as they pursue their best wellness amongst all varieties of genetic challenges. And you can watch these full episodes on YouTube if you'd like. Just go there, search for Self Helpful with Kevin Miller. Genetics. 
So I wanted to hit this. We talk about it, it comes up so often in our shows, I think a lot recently. And I, so admittedly, I, and I want to, I want to hit genetics, you know, what role do they actually play in our health? Uh, what should we, uh, how should we address dealing with them? What should we find out tests and whatever, but to be open with my muse, it's the frustration that I have with our culture. And I'm going to pick on American culture as usual and feeling like we look at genetics as it's just the lottery. And if we get sick, if we get a disease, if we're infirm, if whatever, or if, you know, the opposite, somebody's 80 and spry, ah, good genetics. I mean, we've been saying that always for a long time. Yeah. And I, I, it irritates me. I love this topic. I'm Pro glad you're irritated. And, but I probably should have compassion. That should probably come out in here too. Uh, well, well, okay. There's going to be a time and a place for the reality that genetics is a real thing. And some, you know, I'm going to have compassion on you because you're a white guy and maybe you, you know, got a sunburn and we could blame genetics and okay. I'm going to have compassion. But at the same time, I'm also going to encourage you to say, Hey, you should learn from that. And okay, there's a key lifestyle. word though. Blame. <laughs> there, there we go. Which that, that may be the, my, my premise here to be, to be honest, this is not a, right. people want to blame genetics. Yes. Thank you. So I'm not, we're, we're obviously as always, we're not do, even though you're a doctor, we're not doing the clinical perspective on. So let's talk about genetics <laughs> uh, from a Harvard med standpoint. We're talking about the reality of living with it in our lives. Here we all are. We want to be well and genetics is blamed for so much. And well, and, and I think that's changing. And we'll talk about that today, but you and I okay. have grown up, well, and probably the next generation, if we're Gen X, then, you know, the millennials and certainly our parents talked about it. Like ge genetics is why I am what I am. Yeah. Like, yeah. Good, good genes, bad genes. And, you know. well, well, and plus they grew up with, you know, Watson and Crick and, and the, the discovery of DNA. And it's like, I don't even uh -huh. know. I don't even know what that is. Watson and Crick, uh -uh. <laughs> the guys who discovered DNA. Oh, okay. <laughs> Thanks, doctor. <laughs> Come on, Kevin. Okay. Uh, they, that and because uh, they just died, or maybe they died like in the '90s or zeros of that was the seminal event of the '50s and '60s was the discovery of of, of DNA of of how we were put together, and that's when they thought, aha, science is king. We're going to figure out what causes disease and a cleft palate and a club foot and why this guy got this and polio and, and what is, so our parents grew up with that thinking yeah. process. Yeah. Well, I am this yeah. way because the DNA well, says I, I'm Well, again, way. I'm used to hearing that, oh, good genes. And I could see people saying, you know, because my, well, us, they would look at our kids and say, gosh, you know, or look at you, Dr. James, here's Dr. James, medical doctor, functional medicine expert. He and his wife lived this, you know, uber healthy life. So his kids, good genes. You would expect them to be brilliant, to be great athletes, whatever. Some, some relevance, you, you know what, here's a premise that I just thought. So over here, I'm talking about my, uh, my, my angst with a culture who so often is blaming genetics. Now on the other side is me, who you know very well, who's going to be prone to totally ignore them and give them absolutely no credence in my life at all, maybe to my danger as well. So let's play within the two extremes. Yeah. One other nuance of that extreme is that that group of people over there that you're kind of ignoring is going to look at you and say, well, who are you to talk? You're as healthy as you are because of genetics. It doesn't, 
matter that you try really hard to go exercise and you, you know, recognize you need to go to bed on time. And, and it, it also, I think to their harm, it takes away the, the work of life, right? Like your genetics set you up for the things that you can do and, and then you go and do them. But somebody right. over here who's struggling in life could say, well, you're only having success, Kevin Miller, because of your DNA. And in fact, there's a book called Dancing to Your DNA. So this is a, this is a hot topic these days. Okay. Okay. Can, is it fair to separate it though? We're gonna, let's say, so let's pick on me that if we talk about my genetics, we're talking about one, the hardwiring of my cells at birth. Okay. At conception. Okay. I, this is a great place to start. Let me, let me uh, just do the 30,000 foot view of okay. what you're getting ready to talk about. Because I want to take that and hold that and then my lifestyle from birth yes. to now. Okay. Yes. So, and, and so for people to learn as we talk about this big, big topic of genetics and how potentially confusing it can be and also enlightening is to think about it this way, that you're what you just said, hardwiring, and we're looking at a computer right there. And let's use this yep. analogy that this computer is hardwired with a keyboard. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and, and then there's the soft wiring aspect of it over here. So the bottom line, when we're looking at human beings and what, how much of you is hardwired and how much of you is softwired is. Right, right. Is, good, 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 good. Or we could say nature versus nurture. Nature right. is hardwired right. and how you were nurtured from birth is these other things. So hardwiring, you're male, right. you are Caucasian, you have brown eyes, you have, you know, five fingers, five toes, well, on each side and all of these things. That's hardwiring. So the sum total of Kevin, when we talk about your thoughts, your emotions, your, your heart rate, your, your biochemistry, your CRP level, your, your biomarkers, your ability to run a mile, your ability to how you express love and grace and kindness and all these things is softwired. And the sum total of you, this is the bottom line, is it's 70-30. 30% of your reality Okay. Hardwire. Okay. Can we back up further into the hardwiring though? Cause you're saying those things that are factual as of my birth, I came out of the womb, but if we look at my genetics, aren't we, isn't it relevant to say uh, my mom is Joanne Miller and, and look at her makeup. Yeah. My dad's Dan Miller and look at his makeup. So, you know, my mom, I, I you know, from her experiential what you, wait, what do you mean by makeup? <sighs> genetics. Her hard work. I just said her genetics, her makeup when she conceived you yeah. was 70% how she was nurtured the previous 30 years and 30% genetic okay. from her parent that she had no choice in being white, female, you know, whatever, brown hair and all of these other things. Okay. But then the sum total of her, and it does matter at conception, if you're born into fear, trauma, hate, uh, the, the, we think that this does have an impact on the hardwiring aspect of some people. I, I, I'm curious. I mean, that's again, that's another the <laughs> circumstances because we think about that with my sure. youngest adopted daughter. Sure, she was born into it was you know chaos. drugs, alcohol, yeah. chaos, fear. I mean, the, the, the worst of the worst. How much did that have to affect? Because my muse on that is, I think it was John Robbins, the son of the Baskin Robbins yeah. founder. Yeah wrote a book called 
Diet for a New America, probably 35 years ago or so. And I think it was in that book where he talked about, he was you know, really ripping on ice cream. <laughs> well, animals, yeah, dairy and, and cattle. And he was talking about the difference in a cow in your grandparents' yeah, uh, yeah, barn absolutely. that you snuck up behind and petted and then shot in the head. And it just, boom, there it is. And there's the meat, as opposed to the one in the slaughterhouse. Smelling strung blood, up, well, strung up. In that, yeah, tortured. some of the practices were yeah. Yeah, strung up by a leg that then came out of socket because the thing weighs so yeah. much and its throat is slit. And the terror, and he was saying, think about when you go by a, a cop and you know your speed, and you get that flush. And then literally chemicals of adrenaline and whatever go through your body. They're saying the cow has that. We cut, we, it dies there. What do those chemicals? Well, you and I, we remember when we had lunch with Stefan and, and the, yeah. the technique of hunting and you don't shoot a deer on the run because they're afraid and running. It ruins the meat. Okay. That, there you go. And, and, and that. So is my, so at conception, <laughs> how much is our meat ruined? Well, and the, the extreme here is, is a rape. Okay. Okay. So there, you know, You've got a father that is not a father that is, you know, thinking badly and probably grew up badly or whatever, or war, right? People. So, but we cannot look at, okay, by definition, if somebody is born from that kind of conception, then by definition, they're going to be depressed or anxious or short or. But maybe by definition, they should be aware and cater to that. No handicap deficit, whatever it may be. Let's not now. Okay. One of our genetic okay. things that you have to, to not ever say again is to use negative words. <sighs> Kevin, you, you're not handicapped in at a deficit because you're a white, but you are at more risk for a sunburn. Now, if you live in the Sahara, you might call it, oh, what was me? I'm a poor white guy. I'm going to get sunburned all the time. And I was like, well, that's one way to think. Uh, okay. Okay. So to take up. So Your daughter does not have, is not handicapped. It's a, it's reality. Okay. It's, it's, it's reality. She has higher, she has areas of risk. Absolutely. Just okay. like you. Okay. And as a white Caucasian person, your area of risk is skin cancer and a sunburn. And to that on a personal development side, which, you know, I talk about on nearly every podcast I do on a personal development side, here she is. I mean, I just had Stephen Kotler on yeah. one of the shows and he talked about in his study of these elite and adventure athletes about how many of them came from really hard backgrounds. And he surmised that because of their hard backgrounds, it made them stronger, Nurtured. more resilient, yeah. have more capacity. Now, of course, then for every one of them, th is there a thousand people that had similar experiences that it totally wrecked? So we can't go say by proxy, it's going to strengthen right. you. It's kind of that question of when that traumatic thing happens, do you have traumatic, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder or what they're now calling post-traumatic growth as a result of it? Well, again, not a happenstance issue, but and all of us have a little bit of both. Right, right. And okay, so look at so looking at that genetics of that the old adage uh, that whoever said, I don't know, Hyman or whoever said, you know, made it up to even know genetics loads the gun, lifestyle pulls the trigger. So for us to all understand what kind of gun that we have that could have maybe because of the trauma could have some greater strengths as a result of those, That's right. but could have some greater risks Challenges. as well. Sure. Yeah. Okay. That that is exactly that's exactly right. If people don't, you know, a takeaway point is that you, you cannot change your genetics. You cannot change the genes your parents gave you, but you can sure nurture them in a lot of different ways. 
It, oh, well, and again, we're going to, as we often do on the Perseverance side, say can, they can be redeemed. Uh, well, again, if you say be redeemed, then that means they were bad. I mean, well, come you're not on! If redeem you, your you just, whiteness, you just said okay, right? But you just <laughs> said if, if we said rape at conception had, had a possible, uh, it, it, it altered the that, ingredients. It's probably not for the well, better in that moment, at least. So it, it's hard to use this as an example because we don't, you know, well, we, we don't okay, live in that economy. Okay, so here, so he, this is not a genetic thing, but something. So my, we were talking this morning, as you know, my wife's been in a couple car accidents and has neck injuries that she's always dealing with. And she was talking this morning. We were having family devotions, and she was talking about, you know, the redemption of the, or how she could use that and come out, you know, stronger, or whatever. But then I said, you know, it also may not have any benefit for you, honey. What if that's, you know, what, what if we could get in the mind of God and He goes, you know what, you're just that's kind of stinks for you. So sorry, but you now have insight into chronic uh, pain that you can help somebody else and relate to them in a way that Kevin Miller can't because I've never dealt with it. And that's, that's a, you know, a redemption for that thing that may just kind of stink overall. Yeah. We're dancing around with semantics here. And I think you can say that. I just don't want Jay Daria to feel like her birth was redemption, right? Like it's okay. Or think of the person who was born from a, a rape kind of status. Like everybody from day one would say, oh gosh, I'm so sorry. Right? Like it, okay. it automatically sets, if you, now well, in our race conscious relationships today, I do think that like we've talked about privilege and things like that, that there is, we don't blame you for, for being white, but there's a challenge to that. Or somebody for being black, but there's a different set of challenges to this. And they're asking you, have you had cancer in your family? And, and that's going to affect the rate of your insurance. I mean, they, they think that it matters that much that you had, they think that's a handicap enough that you're a higher risk. If your dad had cancer, okay. your mom had cancer, their parents had cancer. Okay. So when we talk about literal genetic I, I makeup. You know, they, at the same time, insurance is not allowed to ask anything about raw genetic material. No, is, that's, there's a which, law. Which I think is terrible. I, if I'm going to insure you, I want to know everything. But you're going to say it's not fair because it's not fair to look at it as a handicap. But they are saying at least cancer. What are the other ones they put in there? Heart disease? I, I don't know. I don't even, I don't remember anymore on insurance. You know, the questions they ask. Well, you're talking life insurance. You're not talking health insurance. Do they not for health insurance? No, it's illegal. That That's, that's the whole... Um, Debate about pre-existing conditions, mm-hmm. you know. So one of the pre-existing conditions that we all have is what our genetic code is. Now, the genetic code. Okay, so here's you're getting into the weeds there. Before we get into the weeds, let's back up at thirty thousand foot view. Okay, because that that's a weedy question. We're not going to have a solution to that about. But we're going to come back to that. Uh, is in the genetic code what? Like they thought, so the genetic code was cracked in 1999. Francis Collins, uh, a billion dollar project, and it was President uh, Clinton on the front lawn and, you know, announcing this big thing. It was hailed as one of the greatest scientific things, 1999. And it was, so they cracked the genetic code. We know, uh, and you have about 20,000 genes, about 3 billion base pairs. So all of human uniqueness is wrapped up in this code of 3 billion base pairs. Okay. 
um, and they thought, they literally thought, okay, we are now going to figure out diabetes. We are now going to figure out hypertension. We're now going to figure out cancer. And over the next three, four, five years, uh, lots and lots and lots of research down this pathway. And you know what they found out? We don't know a thing. Every human has the genetic code that can become diabetes, cancer, hypertension, all, all of the diseases. We are all genetically set up to be able to become hypertensive or diabetic or depressed. Okay. We, we can all do that. Now, some people are more predisposed, but is that because they grew up a certain way or we're back into well, nurture? Well, because I'm going to, I still- but get, hang on, let's go to your genetic or your uh, insurance people now. Okay. Now they know all 3 billion of you. Okay. They know nothing. They, they, there's no knowledge of, oh, you're more at risk. Now, uh, some, like there's a smattering of Huntington's disease and some other things that genetically, Kevin, you're going to die at, at 52. They're like, but it's so rare. Yeah. And it just doesn't even matter to the insurance. Well, well so look at, so look at my youngest daughter and, and you know, her, her history. So you're saying, so she had a mother grew up on the, on a native American, uh, reservation fed a diet of sugar. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just, it's, it's unbelievable. And I'm saying they, and I know that's not fair to paint a broad brush, but I, you know, if anybody's out there that takes offense at that, I spent a lot of time on native American reservations and I'm going to paint with a broad brush of the majority of it. It's, it's really bad in, at least in, in the, you know, in the core of them. So, but I know this one, I can speak specifically. She grew up on sugar. She grew up on empty carbs. That was the primary diet via, you know, drinks and, uh, and food and a lot of alcohol and a lot of drugs. That is what she had. She was doing from a lifestyle aspect. And I'm to understand that that was what was done before her by her parents as well. That's what she came into. And this, so there I've got the, got this daughter. And so we're looking and saying, her genetics, 30, 30% of her hardwiring, it's hard not to feel like more of that was affected by what her, what she was conceived from, the soup of her conception. Because the dad, and the dad was the same way. The dad, well, the, the, this, this the biological is fair. So dad. One of the things today is to say you're using a subset of people to think, okay, if, and by the way, you needed to explain to people that was your older adopted daughter who got exposed to alcohol and those kind of things. Well, both, older, oldest and youngest. Well, your youngest didn't consume alcohol. Oh, no, no, no. I'm talking about her, her, her parents. Conception. Her, her parents, parents were. Okay, gotcha. Sorry. So. Friends, I'm pretty candid about my lack of financial prowess. Money and numbers are fairly Greek to me, so I need a lot of guidance. One of my closest friends is a wildly successful wealth manager, and I'm working on some financial literacy and just continually seeking guidance. So I ask you to check out yahoofinance.com. Nobody knows it all, and Yahoo Finance is a, an incredible resource for the rookies like me or the seasoned investors. You know, before my dad passed away recently, Dave Ramsey and his wife, Sharon, flew down to visit. We all got to spend a day together. And I was at yahoofinance.com just now. I saw multiple news flashes from Dave and other people that you respect. And they're hitting so many of the hottest areas in finance today. So it's a place to get a snapshot of all aspects of your financial interests. And if you have them, your portfolios. 
I hadn't realized Yahoo Finance is the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. So for your comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. One more time. YahooFinance.com. I live high up in the Rocky Mountains where the air is clean and fresh as possible, but then I step indoors and I'm breathing in untold amounts of toxins and allergens from paint and carpet and cleaning chemicals and pets and furniture and appliances and mold and so on. Studies show the indoor air is two to five times more polluted than the outdoor air anywhere you are. And in some places it's a hundred times worse than that. Well, the solution is to get an air purifier and air doctor is just the best out there. It filters out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants and allergens such as pollen and pet dander and dust mites and mold and even bacteria and viruses so your lungs don't have to try to do that. Air Doctor comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. Go to airdoctorpro.com. You can use the promo code KEVIN, and depending on the model, you'll receive up to 39% off or up to 300 bucks exclusive to podcast customers, you will also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. So to get the special deal, go to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com. Use promo code Kevin. Thankfully, the days of building a business website, then having this massive endeavor to integrate an online store are gone. Today, Shopify has fixed all that. I had one business where we actually built the entire website on Shopify's platform. So whether you're just starting out or you're selling a million bucks of product already, Shopify is just the industry leader. It works the same for physical products or online and digital, and Shopify is just hands down the best out there. Most importantly, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. It's 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Getting people to buy is not that hard, at least to the buying point, but getting them to actually give their payment info is, and Shopify is king in that department. They also have top tier customer service, which I think is critical. You can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Kevin. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash Kevin to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Kevin. I, I do think this is part of what, what I think in terms of a functional medicine approach influenced by a biblical thought process would be that our genetic code is becoming more unstable, unraveling. That our genetic code, as, as generations go by, we're not getting better. We're not getting more resilient genetically. We're not getting any. In fact, we're getting the other way. So I agree with you in that, that now we have a Native American population in this particular instance where um, because of thousands of reasons of American history and, mm-hmm. and, and all of these reasons where this group of people have, have landed in a place where not only has genetics been, been influenced by a couple hundred years now of, of too much alcohol, of 
of of of a political sense of hopelessness that we you know we don't we've lost our way yeah and lack of purpose i mean i got you, missing yeah. all of all of these things and then modernly the uh um the response of many people is to is to put a lot of money into the situation and so there's big buildings of hospitals and schools and things like that but the grocery store is still how you described it it's so in, they didn't go back to a traditional in this reservation one of the high one of the things that you'll notice it's stark when you go into the little little gro one of the, the little bitty in the center of the pueblo that they call it is this little store you go in there and the amount of items that are not real food they're in bags and whatever that are orange and red red dye number or whatever that isn't that like a brain exciter or something like that supposedly I don't know. It's total like the flaming hot, you know, tort Doritos or whatever they are. But it's 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 start that is that is really uh, there's like a show Joe versus a volcano. If anybody's seen that old Tom Hanks movie, great movie. We we own it, and they go to this kind of a Native American island, whatever, and everybody drinks Orange Crush. That's like their thing, and it's a terrible depiction of a of a reality. It's so stark when you go to this pueblo and see the amount of not only junk food and empty carbs and sugar and stuff, but of these salty snacks that are uh, all the all the high red ones. And then we had some of these, you know, some of, uh, we've had a lot of them stay at our at our home, and that's what they gravitate towards. Even the drinks, like the Mountain Dew, anything red, hmm. and it's just interesting and you could conjecture and say can we set up a study that says okay uh, we're going to quantify how much red dye goes into a group of people and then we're going to look at genetic markers mm -hmm. right now and then three generations down the road because it's going to take a long period of time and of course we don't have those studies because that would be very very expensive and you know 80 years of time to get three generations down the road so it's conjecture um but I, I agree with you that how we it sure seems to make sense that the genetics of the parents are going to influence the genetics of the children down this particular pathway. And I think that's part of why we're seeing the increasing rate of unraveling of everything of everything. of everything. I mean, yeah. and, and I'll make that statement. Here we are. I'm going to again in America, more access to the best knowledge ever, ever and ever. We have every and, and conveniences and whatever. We have every reason Free to be time. to be the healthiest and happiest ever. And we are absolutely. I mean, it's just it, it's irrefutable. We are the sickest and saddest we've ever been. I'm, I'm going to play a little devil's advocate. <laughs> well, the stats, it's, though, you know, the hockey stick of diabetes, of heart disease, of diseases of uh, of, de uh, of depression. But, uh, Not depression. You, you, what is it called? Diseases. Disease of despair. Yeah. Yeah, and and so that. There, that is happening. And at the same time, we've never had this literacy rate. We've never had the e economic freedom. We've never had the amount of cleanliness of, of potable water around the world, worldwide. Which again, every reason that we should be happier than ever. Uh, true. The socioeconomic uh, implications of these kind of things have to be considered too, because remember when we talked about the average lifespan went down in America. And, but if you go to a different socioeconomic level, it went up. Well, and I just read Stephen Kotler and, you know, uh, Peter Diamandis' book, The Future's Faster Than You Think. And in there, they're talking, he's, he talks about going back. He, they kind of go back in history when the lifespan was 40. You know, that's about as long as you lived. You got married at 16, you were married for a while, did whatever, and you died at 40, you know, whatever. Yeah, but that's, that's 
I know I don't like that perspective. It's not fair because the, you know, people w- back then, you know, Abe Lincoln and Benjamin Franklin and George Washington were in their 80s. Yeah. But there was a lot of child and infant mortality and death in childbirth. There was. And- well, and, but the thing that I wanted to pull out of that, though, so he, even though now we want to tout the life expectancy that's, I don't know what they say now, 85 or 87 or something like that. That Yeah, but as you often point out, yeah, that's life expectancy. That is looking at when the heart stops Stop, beating. Yeah. And my term I keep coming to is, yeah, but when does the soul stop beating? That seems to be earlier and earlier than ever, but we don't talk about that. So so the the formal word for that is lifespan versus health span. That's right. I keep forgetting about that. And you went a step further to say soul span. Yeah. Right. And that's where, okay, now we're into the topic of faith and meaning, passion, purpose, who am I, why am I here, and all those kind of things, we could say health span as I like to go mountain biking and I like to, you know, I want to be able to go skiing when I'm 80 and those kind of things would be a a health span. And then disease span, how long do I live with disease? High blood pressure. It's another, it's actually, it's another, that's a great topic for another show just to talk about. We'll talk about that. Genetics does not have that much influence okay on and this the, well and so that's a big question topic. so if we look at this you know we're 25 minutes in to say okay with your patients for the average person how much importance mm-hmm. gravity mm-hmm. attention should genetics get would Great you question. say 30 percent oh well okay i mean because yeah. i've never had have i i don't think i've i, I don't mm-hmm. think i've done a genetic test you, no, so, you did. Uh, yeah, I did. And you got into doing that I with patients. And so you had people taking 23andMe? Uh, yeah. And then we did a statistical analysis through a, a, a third party on the 23andMe data. I just remember you were doing it. So here you're having people take 23, 23 or get the 23andMe genetic uh, test. And you were having, you had to pay to go get uh, extra. extra education to understand how the heck to even translate this to anything yeah. of tangible value or tangible mm-hmm diagnosis and for everybody who's listening we're going to save you thousands of dollars by concluding what i learned please (laughs) here's the conclusion at the end of the day when you go get now we're not talking about ancestry so if you love ancestry yeah if you want to find out that you're one-third jewish and right that's different italian but if you're looking at ancestry.com and 23andme and nebula and all of these other genetic companies out there to try and figure out your health which are they even able to say that in yet? Did FDA approve them to where they can even cite? Yes, they, to okay. a degree. To a degree. Okay. To a degree. But yeah, 23andMe got shut down because they were speaking too medical. 23andMe is now stated on their you know front page is they are a drug development company. That is their thing. And they are using the data, te- data of genetics to make better drugs, which is a good thing. Because if... You know that if you took this drug, you're going to barf your guts up versus this one that you're not, then it's a better selection method. Um, okay. So I did. I spent a lot of time trying to say, okay, I've got to figure this out. And I I like Ben Lynch and read the book Dirty Genes, and I think that's a, a pretty good place to start. But at the end of the day, Kevin Miller, how much of your thought construct is in terms of how you eat and live and think and breathe and how you interface with everybody else, do you keep thinking how white you are? How tall you are? What color your eyes are? What color your hair is? Okay, how your liver is set up to process your food. No, not to that degree, but you know that we have a big populace out there and you see the ads and you know for, for things that is worried 
about do am I going to get cancer? Am I going to yeah. get dementia? Yeah. I mean, that's okay. one of the biggest fears. At the end of the day, that's what I just said. Genetically, yes, you can get dementia. And genetically, it's not going to tell you nothing about your risk level. And I'm going to back up right there because- there, Again, you just hit the big holy grail because everybody who is taking care, all the baby boomers out there are taking care of their parents who have dementia and are in the old folks home are scared. And they're, they're just wondering, again, okay. is the lottery going to- they, they The lottery's higher in my- Right. They should be scared. And I do think everybody should get their genetics done. Oh. Because it- it, even though you don't walk around thinking, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm a white guy, you, you have figured out what SPF level you need. You have figured out how to wear a hat and you changed your lifestyle. Right. And, and like you talk about a lot, my, uh, one of my sons, Ian, for yeah. no Ian idea why. more SPF. He's this <laughs> paper white he's dude. Opposite of a Native American. I don't know how. I've got some kids <laughs> biologically with darker skin and then he, here he is. So he, so can I say, he has a, you don't want to say handicapped, but he, he, <laughs> he has, has a challenge. propensity. He has the opportunity to be really aware of how but, okay. at risk he is for a sunburn. Right. A higher propensity. So uh, again, how many people out there wondering if, in the, if in the lottery, a for, higher propensity for dementia yeah. or diabetes, heart disease, and there are cancer? A, I think there's about 20 genetic markers that are worth knowing. Okay. But before we get there. At the end of the day, when you know these markers and you're going to say, I'm at higher risk, what am I going to do about that? <laughs> what do you think we're going to say? I, I know because, <laughs> it, but it's, uh, I, but that's what we do on the show is okay. we talk about it the reality people, of human nature. And it gives people more motivation to actually change their diet and go to bed on time. Or and, less, because if I do my genetic test and it says, dude, you are rock solid, yeah, rock then I'm starving. heading to the donut mill <laughs> for bear claw. That's well. But that is propensity too. You, and that's what I'm saying is at the end of the day with genetics, you'll never find that. Whatever rock star is, is not genetically defined. You just got done referring to the, the study about all of these highfalutin people who came from hard backgrounds. But what about maybe they were one out of a thousand? I think they were. Yeah. I, I, and I other people got crushed by that. Exactly. So if you look at the genetics, you would say. It's not good to go have. It's a, not good to be have, <laughs> having this much challenge. You might be the president of the United States and you might be in the gutter. Skid row. Chances are a thousand chances. percent you're going to be in the gutter. <laughs> That's right. Or 999. Yeah. Okay. So some people. And I could mention their name and you would know them, got really mad at me for doing, you know, genetics back when I was doing them more often. And she's like, I did not want to know that I was at a higher risk for dementia. I think that's terrible. It's ig ignorant. I would want to know. The only reason you would want to know is if you can do something about it. I can. How? Well, that's what you're Lifestyle. presuming. Yes. Well, we're back to. Okay. Yes. Right. Is there a proof that if you run an extra mile a day, no. are you going to, no. So at the end of the day, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of question marks. And we are now 20 years past cracking the genetic code. And it has not made that much of a difference in medicine. Okay. Let me ask it this way then, as far as an applicable thing for our lives. So I had our first three kids. So we got these three kids, you know, all within a close range. My oldest one, who, you know, had epilepsy. And, you know, pretty significant at, at the time. And so we looked at, so he, here he has this reality. It's mm -hmm. just, it's a reality. He has this uh, challenge. Okay. <laughs> he has this challenge and we looked at the things, we saw some things happening experientially in life. And then we read about it and, and found out some of the things about 
uh, epilepsy and in his, you know, specific makeup that, uh, chaos, loud noise, we would see him just shut down, you know, Chuck E. Cheese, which was like, you know, we're a parent, you take a good, and he would just start going South. I mean, it was like really weird. We would take him out and he's like, like the calm. He didn't even conceptualize it. We just see it. He was a little kid. We realized that we read about sleep and how uh, more, you know, how sleep was such a benefit to this. So we took affirmative action for him. So we got three kids, but we're going to let two go to the birthday party. And he got to where he didn't even want to, if it was going to be loud and chaos, he didn't want to. We advocated for his sleep. Now, would it have been just as well for my other kids to get just as much sleep as him? Sure. Did it help them to be within the chaos, the noise, the pizza, the Coke? Probably not. But we did, you know, we are humans and we could say that here's a perfect life, which is hard to quantify, but we say this is, this is what we should all do. But we know that we're not. And then is it a benefit to know where you need to take affirmative action? Yes. Yes. We could look at your, your, the, the two daughters there and say they just tolerated Chuck E. Cheese. It wasn't good for them. It wasn't right. They, their genetics was set up in such a way that they Are we going to get tolerate. sued for slandering Chuck E. Cheese? Do they even exist? <laughs> I probably, they probably shut down at oh, this point. COVID, yeah. So even at, as I just got done saying that at the end of where I got frustrated with genetics was at the end of the day, what are you going to do about it? Winds up being a supplement. Most, if you, if you go and do your, like almost all the websites that say, Hey, you know, send us your genetics and we'll tell you what to eat. And what they mean is we'll show you a supplement list. Right. So that's where I got frustrated. Wasn't that what the, uh, the telomere company did kind of look at your telomeres and you know, there you're at this percentage and then send you lifestyle. Telo years is the company that we used. And I I liked them uh, because at the end of the day, their four main things was, uh, okay, if your telomeres are short, what are you going to do about it? Well, sleep is a big one. Exercise mm-hmm. is a big one. Nutrition is a big one. And safety, uh, your, which is what we would call relationship, feeling safe in your own home, not being in a war-torn environment or a place of poverty where you just don't know where your next meal is coming from. Talk about talk about that. So it was, it was mentioned, they mentioned it, uh, Kotler and Diamandis in Futures Faster. They mentioned Aura Ring yeah. for sleep yeah. and the, you know, cause they're talking about the technology aspect and they talked about telomeres and the ability to look at those. And so layman's term, it's your chromosome health. Is that fair to say? Fantastic book was uh, Carol Blackburn. And I forgot the name of the book, uh, the the telomere effect. Uh, She got the Nobel prize with uh, a team of, you know, finding, describing, characterizing telomeres. Basically your chromosome, if you think of a shoelace, the telomeres, the cap on the end of the chromosome, like on your shoelace. So it keeps that, the end of the chromosome uh, intact, uh, or the end of the, the, not the chromosome, but the chromatin or the one aspect of the, of the DNA, it keeps it intact. And if your telomere length is shortened, then that corresponds to age. So as you age, we'll shorten it. It corresponds to these things, sleep, nutrition, Okay, exercise. so and the reason I brought it up is because here you and I are, and I would say we had a very... I mean, in a lot of ways, we had a very similar upbringing. Yeah. You know, mom and dad, safe home, you know, faith, good relationships for the most part. We got out. We did well. We haven't. Standard American diet. We we haven't had trauma. We're privileged, you know, white American men. And we took this telomeres test and mine came out pretty good and yours did not. Right. And to look at that and go, what? 
I mean, do, well, I don't even know genetic defici- deficiency, <laughs> whatever issues are in your past any worse than mine. We, we don't know it, to the point to where we talked to the chief medical officer. Yeah. They didn't really have much to tell us other than citing, not in you, but just saying, well, we have seen an, uh, an impact from ACE scores, adverse childhood effects, right? Mm-hmm. Which goes back to say you don't have unless you were beaten and bludgeoned and just don't know about it. But, no, we don't know. Well, and he also said, you know, obviously I did grow up in the standard American diet. Maybe that shortened my telomeres. So did I. Right. But maybe it, I, you also grew up in the sunshine and you got sunburned X, Y, enough to have more AK on your face. Than I, and I got just as many sunburns and I don't. Right. I mean, okay. The, okay. The, the surrounding environment is still going to have a different impact on, on your unique genetics. But that is where we look at the genetics. Did, gene, you know, did some thread of 30% genetics come in? And your telomeres are, are theoretically exposed. less. Or, I didn't yeah. tolerate the standard American diet. Okay. Right. Like I, I wouldn't blame my genetics. I'm not set up for uh, short telomeres probably. Uh, well, 30% chance that I might be just set up to have short telomeres. And that could be true. But I don't have short-lived people in my family who, you know, just died of whatever reasons at 60. Right. And in fact, I have long-lived people. Do you? Yeah. Okay. So, well, so, but it goes back to the maybe my response to the standard American diet from zero to 30 was more devastating, just like your son. Same Chuck E. Cheese. And for him, that would good. be, that would be interesting to see his, his telomeres. I mean, to take this, you, you said the word again, though, to blame genetics. And if there was a point to the show, like, what the heck are we talking about? We're not doing this to inform people of clinical issues on, on genetics. It's how, what do we do about it? How do we look at think, it? Yeah. And I would say, what is our point? It's that there is no benefit at all in blaming genetics. There may be in, or li- there is in living a lifestyle to do our best to, and I don't know if you're going to like this, but I would say to combat whatever genetic predispositions we may have. And we all have them. And we all have them. We are all on the spectrum. But let's use some of the specific 20 that, because at the end of the day, I still think people should look because it's data. And if you have a wise, mature thought process, you can use that data to help you make decisions about how to live. It's, I would say it's good if we're talking about behavioral psychology, it's good for us to know because it will help us make better decisions. That's right. Okay. hundred percent agree. Okay. So, Kevin, I think you should go buy your stuff. Yeah, I never, I never did. I, we were going to, and I forgot. You did do one. Did you do Twenty Three and Me? I did do Twenty Three and Me back then. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. I, I would, and I might choose a different company these days, um, but let's use APO4. So APOE. Explain it, sir. Yeah. So it, well, it's called APOE. That's the name of the of the gene, and apolipoprotein E is what it stands for. And um, it's, it's you could write a book just on this topic in and of itself. But so everybody has a way that their genes code for developing this kind of cholesterol. Okay. Apolipoprotein means cholesterol, or is a. Uh, a lipoprotein it's a it's a piece of fat and your body builds your cholesterol much more than you eat it so your body's making its own cholesterol so yeah. apolipoprotein e and you can have a genetic construct that is labeled a two a three or four so the you know how your genes are set up from your parents one parent gave you a two or three or four and the other parent gave you a two or three or four so for people that are apoe four and especially if you are four four so homozygous, we don't need to go down, you know, ling language of genetics today, but both parents gave you a four, then you have right off the bat an increased chance of getting Alzheimer's, mm -hmm. about 15 times normal or 15%. I don't know if I'm saying that the right way. A 15% increased chance of Right off the bat, doesn't matter, you know, if you live good, live bad, live this way or that, just statistically, so it does matter if you live good or bad, of course, but statistically, 15% right. chance. Is that person generally going to have a higher cholesterol? Uh, generally, yes. Because so. I've seen that. I've seen people where, man, my experiences, they they live healthier than I do even, and they've got this Familial stupid high cholesterol. cholesterol. Yeah. That, so... So it, it helps them to make decisions. So an APO4, and if they've been having years of cholesterol, I would be more inclined to say, yeah, you should take a statin. But I don't want to take a statin. Okay. Right? Like It's kind of like the person saying, but I don't want to wear sunscreen. Okay. You're just more inclined to get a sunburn. If well, and you have around, those people, though, who come in with something, they go, I do not want a drug. And so you do your best on the nutritional supplement side and the lifestyle all of design. It. Yeah, the whole thing, part of lifestyle would be, are you a lifestyle of take medicines or, or drugs or don't take drugs or pharmaceuticals, right? Like that's, there's nothing wrong with pharmaceuticals. It's not like it's bad. It's a tool for a person to use. Yeah. That just like surgery, there's a time and a place for uh, anesthesia. I, do, I would rather not do natural surgery. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like right. they did on the fields of the Civil War. That, that's, that's a bad thing. Okay, so somebody here who has this genetic predisposition. That's right. They're an APO44. And in fact, this one person, that's what that gene was. And she erupted into tears. Like she heard it as, I'm going to get Alzheimer's. And I would look at you, Kevin, and say, just because you have white skin, do you th think I'm going to get sunburn and skin cancer? 
No, no. But are you at increased risk? Is it a challenge for you to think and through that? Should I take affirmative action? And should you and take action? Shade myself, use sunscreen more so than somebody who's not at much. Shade myself? Uh, oh, shade. 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 <laughs> no, the, the hair would keep it off. Yeah, shave myself. <laughs> Little known facts, folks. I was going to say, we won't this will help people what you... <laughs> yeah, just shave. That's all you got to do. Shade. Shade. Duh, got it. Duh. I think about that because we do that with Ian, with his white skin. It's We're going to go out on the beach or something like that, man. We're going to bring shade bring for that umbrella, guy. Yeah. That, so it, APO4 is the probably the clear clearest genetic mark outside of things like white skin and, and things that we already take for granted. It's, it's obvious. Yeah, it, it's obvious that you have to think about being white skin. But things that are on the inside are not obvious. If you're APO four or how your liver is set up to do detoxification, or uh, and that's what's interesting about twenty three and Me is they'll say you're more likely to have a caffeine response. You're more likely to get flush if you have alcohol. And a lot of people will say, well, I don't get a caffeine response. It's just likelihood, right? It because you have an APO four four does not mean you're going to get skin can or uh, Alzheimer's. But you do have an increased likelihood. Well, in that with cholesterol, you can have some specific things to do for that. But when you get the one with cancer, have you had cancer in your family? Yeah, you know, dad had this cancer and uncle had this and aunt had this and all these different. I mean, what do you do? Cancer, there's no cancer is a different animal. So, in fact, the driving force behind the cracking the genetic code was we got a, it was the war on cancer. That's where that money came from was war on cancer. So because they thought cancer since the 70s has been attacked through the genetic lens. Like we're, it's a genetic issue. And even looking at the genetics of cancer itself. And it, it's been a failure, right? So every person has the genetics of cancer. Okay, this is a different topic, but write this down because this needs to be a show. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll say this phrase. We all have cancer all the time, every day, and your body sees it, stops it. Cancer is normal. It, it is a normal part of life. Cancer has been around since the, the dawn. Well, which uh, you could say that this is a great time to do this amongst coronavirus, that virus is always there. We're always There's exposed. Always been it's always, always been bacteria. And our body's doing what it's supposed to, hopefully is doing what it's supposed to do to. To, to live in symbiosis. To, yeah. To tolerate and at some point to intolerate, and we call that getting sick and mounting a fever and having an inflammatory response and all of these other things that we've also talked about. How do you enhance the body's ability to be as well as possible? Well, cancer is going on all the time. You, you have it. And what the real issue is, why does the body not see it and not stop it? Right. That's the question, and it's less likely to be gen that issue to be genetically related. It's much more likely that we live a lifestyle that shuts down the tumor suppressor genes that we have and turns on the on oncogenic genes that we have, the growth genes that we have. And what's the number one thing that does that? Huh. I told you the other day. Huh. We're over-nutriented. Right. Overfed. Overfed, undernourished. Underfasted, undernourished. Underslept, overstressed. Now, genetically, all of us have cancer going on. We can all get it. But 
you know, if you undersleep me, am I going to get cancer versus undersleeping you or you, or am I just going to get a headache and you get the cancer? Right. And then we're we're back to the things that we do and how is this, how are things going to manifest and it's going to be different if they manifest and how are they going to. So if we look at the, I mean, again, we could take this and say genetics on one hand, who cares about your genetics? Here is if we could create, which we can come to some aspect of the best lifestyle you can live to be healthy and ward off illness, sickness, disease, and whatever. But you're still saying, okay, yes, there's that. And it would be great if we'd all adhere to this and we're not going to, we're all going to have our appetites and vices and, and things we do. Knowing what your genetic predispositions are may help you be accountable to some certain areas of affirmative action in your lifestyle, diet, yeah. whatever, to help address those like that let APO. Me, me, that right. like the APO. Yeah. Let me restate what you just said a different way. Back to that 70-30 idea or 80-20. Right. Is if you go over here to these good lifestyle measuring, you know, ideas, some people are still going to get sick. Right. Right. Okay. So right. let's go over here to right. all these people. And and Kevin Miller, you wake up tomorrow and you have cancer. Yeah. And you're going to be like, oh, did I eat wrong? Or this? Well, I hang failed on. all this all effort this and effort I failed. failed. Yeah. Well, it's going to happen and you're going to die. Yeah. Right. So we're trying to push that marker back by these things. Yes. But if you knew, oh, 20% of people over there, they still lived really well, but he still got cancer or diabetes or heart disease or whatever. Uh, the genetic, if we know about you had a predisposition, let's let's stay with Alzheimer's. Yeah. You had that APO4. So over here, if you had been the guy to say, well, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and choose to take a little bit of a statin because that seems to reduce my risk. Okay. You know, does that guarantee you that you're not going to do it? No, it just puts another, another little notch on the thing over here. Now, the problem is people don't generally turn into their genetics until they're already over there and sick. Yeah. And then they want to figure it out. I'm like, ah, you're, you're, and I do appreciate Dr. Ben Lynch. Uh, and he wrote a, a book, Dirty Genes, G-E-N-E-S, Dirty Genes. And he said, hey, don't ever blame your depression on, on genetics or your Alzheimer's or whatever. He's like, that, that's, that's the wrong stance. Don't blame. You don't, you're not depressed because of your genetics or Alzheimer's because of your genetics. You were born with your genetics and you live them. And you created an epigenome, and that is far more influential on what, how your genes are behaving than the actual genetic materials, the epigenome, which is lifestyle. But what about somebody who is, and we have a lot of these patients, they're doing the nutrition, they're doing the exercise, they're doing the whatever, and we're not reaching goals. We're not mm-hmm. reaching their biomarkers or whatever their goals are. And at that point, I'd say, let's go buy the data. And have this thought process and say, well, son of a gun, you're APO44. Well, I would change this and that and this and that and not yeah. take these supplements. And is it going to guarantee that you live forever? No, but we're just reducing the chance of the bad outcome, increasing the chance of the good, the goals, the good outcome. Yeah, I, you know, and when we're, we're just on that overall perspective, I and motivated to be living a lifestyle that will prevent as much as possible, let's say cancer here. So if I get diagnosed tomorrow, I'm going to assume that I help stave it off, hopefully, uh, 
it, it could happen 10 years ago. So maybe I, sure. I bought myself 10 years with a healthy lifestyle or, uh, and, or gave Both. myself the ability to hopefully get past it and recover instead of succumbing to it. Either way, I'm better off living this healthier. Let me give you one more and in that. Okay. In the past, did you live perfectly? No. So some of that imperfection is a part of why you have cancer. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, but and you can't go back and blame. Right. But, but you look forward and say, okay, I don't want to do this. Yeah. Anymore. And the point is the motivation as yeah. opposed to going, oh my gosh, I'm going to die anyways. Or I, I got cancer. Well, <laughs> all that, I should have been <laughs> eating donuts all the time. and just enjoying life. No, you gave yourself. Yeah, I agree. Added years of not cancer. If not comparing you to other people, but comparing you to the theoretical other Kevin. Yeah, the possibilities of the Kevin. Possibility. All right. And you also gave yourself a much better chance of withstanding chemo, withstanding surgery, withstanding whatever it is you need to do to give your body the best chance of. Which is what billing Lance Armstrong got back when he got cancer is that he was able to go through it and recover at a better level because of his, you know, overall health and different varieties. And he had a good cancer. Did he? Yeah. Okay. It, it's curable. Okay. Well, but, I, that, but that's the billing he got. But I, I like the premise of that, though, of, you know, what can I do if I'm going to get that thing? If I can't totally ward it off, which you tell me all the time, Kevin, you can't. You're going to die. You're going to die. <laughs> and, and I can't guarantee. There's nothing I can do to guarantee I'm not going to get cancer, that I'm not going to get. But you'll whatever. go through it better. Yeah. Here's a good analogy for that is pregnancy. Like a lot of women, my wife was one of them who kind of had, maybe your wife too, who kind of had the thought process of, I'm pretty healthy. I'm, I bet I have a really easy pregnancy. And I'm like, <laughs> it, no, you won't. Uh -huh. It's going to still hurt. Uh -huh. it, it is going to, it is going to still be a challenge and all of those kind of things. But I guarantee you when you have the mindset of, I bet I'm going to have a good pregnancy, you're way better off than if you have the mindset totally. of, oh my gosh, this alien is on me and I have nothing to do with this and I'm just going to be miserable. You will have a miserable. Okay. Pregnancy. Well then just on the mindset, I mean, this is the thing you and I talk about so often that we do not true, true fact. We have not gotten many illnesses. We do not, you know, come down with stuff much. And is that because of, you know, the diet and exercise and the whatever, or how much of that do we attribute to the yeah. fact that we just don't think we will, we expect not to. I, I, I think some of it's it got, is, it's got is to be related to that. It's got, it's placebo it's, or, but placebo. I, have we done a show on placebo? No, we, that needs to be on there. Um, the biochemistry of placebo, placebo in America has a negative connotation. Like, Oh, it's all in your head. I'd be like, well, if I'm it makes you better loving and joyful and thinking cares, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah. Give me more placebo then. Yeah. Or, it, better yet is I want to wake up on purpose mm -hmm. with a mindset of I'm not going to get sick and I'm going to have a good day. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's just all in your head. No doubt. <laughs> if goodness. I start giving one of my kids a pill and say, dude, this is guaranteed to make you run 10% faster. They will likely run 10% <laughs> faster. Even if it's full of air. <laughs> the new way to be fair. Well, it's, so. <laughs> yeah, it's psychology. It's, it's a, are you, are you, do you have a patient? I do. You do. All right. Well, you're a doctor. So that happens. Okay. Well, I, again, I, 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 Felt like we need to do justice to this aspect of genetics of what do we do about it? I think we can we could do another show on how do we read our genetics? Like, okay. you know, because APOE, uh, MTHFR, uh, CMT, these things do have it's another hour of how do you read your genetic uh, report? Well, so this is the 
How about you do psychological. it? Psychological. We use that as an example of go okay. through, you know, share okay. dirty underwear. Okay. So this is the psychological perspective aspect on genetics for those of you who want to approach Philosophical. To Thank you. Yeah. We could do a tactical one, a so clinical do, one. I like tactical. Tactical. Okay, good. Because <laughs> I'm no good clinically. <laughs> Well, friends, I'm sure you know some people in your life who maybe don't give enough credit to their genetic set points, and they do well to give them some focus, like myself. And you likely know some folks who give way too much credit and blame to their genetics. So maybe think about sharing this message with them, whether you share the podcast itself or just some of the key messages that you heard and resonated with you. Friends, thank you for tuning into Self Helpful, where I curate the sea of new personal development materials and help you integrate wisdom into your life because we all want to elevate our own experience and improve the way we show up for others. 